So being told death was waiting for him in a few short months down the road, he left his friends and family behind and went home to his Icarian tribe. And as we said before, he wanted to be buried with his ancestor, his original tribe, in a cemetery shaded by oak trees that overlooked the Aegean Sea. But something wonderful happened on the way to his funeral. In the ensuing months, something strange happened. He said he started to feel stronger. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And this is the Forbidden Doctor podcast, episode 115, How Leaving the Tribe Saved a Life, part three. I'm so excited for this. Everybody has loved our Leaving the Tribe podcast. So this is going to culminate in a wonderful, wonderful story, except the picture on the screen is not indicating Well, sometimes (laughs) it takes complete surrender to what seems to be an inevitable (laughs) course leading to death. And in order for a new resurrected path of of, uh, living and, and wholeness to not only emerge, but become so powerful in its change upon us that what was the inevitable transforms from death into life. We have a beautiful podcast story to tell you um, to conclude this three-part series on leaving the tribe. And it's a telling of literal transformation from a sure, awful, slow, painless, painful death to another beautiful 30-plus years of life and living in what seems to be an absolute paradise. Look at that picture. I'm ready to go. This is Emerald Cove on the Greek island Antipaxos, with its calm turquoise waters and white sand huh. beaches. Wow. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm let's, ready to go. Let's, let's grab that. Well, tribe. we're going to be talking about an island in Greece here in a few moments. Yeah, <clears throat> wonderful story. But before, we're going to do our weekly feature, Forbidden Secrets They Don't Want You to Know. These are the secret things they keep from you, the dumb things they tell you, and the really important things they know nothing about. This... um particular article is called the top 10 prescribed pharmaceuticals of 2016 are a sign that food is killing us. Yeah. You look at the top 10 prescribed drugs and there they are. The numbers off to the side of them and look what they look what they relate to. The, the first six are about the heart and every one of those conditions of the heart. Hypertension. No, one's thyroid. Synthroid. No. Yeah. Synthroid. It's number three. Number one is Lipitor, which is a statin. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought those were medications for hypertension, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, Mm -hmm. and heart problems because there was a colon there, and then the drugs were listed underneath it. So in any event, you look at these drugs for the heart, and then the next one, you've got a drug, uh, Prilosec, for reflux and digestion. Then you got a drug for diabetes, and then you got a drug for... Oh, you're looking at the big bolded sections. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Then you got a drug for the... uh, uh, autoimmune problems here, especially hyperthyroid. Every single one of these conditions can be altered and reversed through dietary changes. Yeah. These are all <clears throat> from an unhealthy diet. But they're the top 10 selling drugs, and every one of them tells us about what we are eating. Yeah. Well, our food supply is being compromised and bastardized by corporations who profit handsomely by feeding the American public ever more processed modified oh, yes. and chemical-laden food. Yeah, and as if there was some kind of revolving door conspiracy where, you know, when food makes us sick, then we just spend more money on health care. And, uh, and, and, and when you look at these 
most prescribed medications for 2016 makes it clear that there is a direct link between poor food choices and poor health in America. Yeah, this this article, you can look it up. It's in my links document. It's 50 of the most prescribed medications in America. Um, it includes the top 10 nine medications used to address health problems that can primarily be associated with an unhealthy diet. Absolutely. So, so and, and so the uh, when you're looking at hypertension, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all linked to diets, of course, that result in obesity due to the intake, and this is what the article says, of fatty, salty foods. See, that's so wrong. That, These that's are the why things we're doing they know this. nothing about. Yeah. This was in the article. They're saying these high cholesterol could be cured if you'd stop eating fatty, salty foods. And some of the latest research that's just come out shows there is no connection between elevated fat in the bloodstream and heart disease. And then, None. And then listen to this. In the article, it says, it is widely suspected... <laughs> Sorry. Hmm. It's widely suspected that diets high in sugar, processed sugar substitutes, and starchy foods will most certainly lead to diabetes. <laughs> it's suspected, Jack. It's 2017, and they still just suspect. suspect. They just suspect <laughs> that eating tons of sugar will hurt you. Yeah, that was crazy. Okay, here's another article, and this is the top 50 prescription drugs filled in the U.S., and they are also, let's see, topping the list is a heart drug, a statin. Yeah, Lipitor. It's, it's Lipitor's genetic, or I mean generic equivalent. And um, it, it, uh, the most popular selling drug in the world, not just America, for a condition that doesn't exist. Yes, and I'm tempted to just throw in a little short clip from Dr. McBride talking about how statins will kill you. Yes, they will. Kill you. They will. And they're giving them to babies now, Jack. Yes. Babies. Babies that are fed a lot of sugary uh, formulas are going to have high fat in their bloodstream. Yeah. And so, oh my gosh, your baby's got a heart attack on the way. (laughs) And then then a parent will go, oh my goodness, really? Oh, so the top five drugs are high cholesterol, thyroid disorders, high blood pressure, GERD, that acid reflux, and type 2 diabetes. All reversible through dietary changes. Yeah. So the pharmaceutical industry does not create cures. It creates customers. Well, they'll love that slide. And the current condition of healthcare in this country is appalling. If you've been listening to our podcast, you know how we feel about this. And it's not because we do not know the answers to the raging explosion of treatable diseases, but because we are kept from the knowledge of their cure. So sad. You are kept from it on purpose. So here's an, we were talking about type 2 diabetes. Here's an early 1900 medical textbooks cure for type 2 diabetes. This is a cure. This is stunning. On the left, you'll see the following foods, owing to their great nutritive qualities, are especially valuable. The first one is butter. Yeah. Olive oil, cream. Cream's bad. Devonshire cream. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's so lovely. And then cream cheeses and then meat and poultry. Look at the number one on meat and poultry. Bacon. 
bacon, and I'm sure without Everybody nitrites. Everybody loves bacon. Bacon, ham, pork, tongue. Dr. McBride told that, tells that story of her daughter-in-law's coming in, and she had cooked tongue and sliced it all up. And they came in, and they couldn't tell it was tongue. And they started nibbling that, and they're like, oh, this is really good. And then Dr. McBride's son walked in and said, you know what you're eating, don't you? <laughs> and they were like, no, it's tongue. And Dr. McBride says they dropped it and they would never touch it again. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that funny? Well, that's number four on the list of things that will cure type 2 diabetes, in their opinion, in the early 1900s. Beef, mutton, goose, duck, fish, and eggs. And then look on the right side, the food strictly forbidden. Yeah, if you went to a doctor 100 years ago with, with diabetes... Sugar diabetes, as yeah, they remember, called it back then. That's what they called it back then. Why did they call it sugar <laughs> diabetes? Because your urine tasted like sugar. That was one of the tests the doctor Ooh. would do. Just stick his finger in a urine sample oh. and put it on his tongue. Oh, my gosh, it's sweet. You have diabetes. You should have no sugar in your urine. None. Yeah. Well, I'm and and we so here's the anymore. foods that you... here. Look at the foods on the left side that for the most part, come from something Mother Nature made. Then look at the foods on the right side. Yeah, and you know, these foods back then weren't even all that bad, you know, as far as the, they didn't have the, trans fatty the acids. natural foods yeah. they came from, butter and cream. Just white and flour stuff. and sugar was the problem. But there. it was just sugars and pies and puddings and, and flours and breads and biscuits. And what do they have here? Arrowroot? Macaroni? <laughs> what do we feed our kids? I mean, in every craft macaroni craft and cheese, macaroni and cheese on every kid's menu, and yep. it's deep fried chicken sticks or whatever in terrible oils, Sir syrups, beer, um, chocolate, condensed milk. Anyway, it, this was their cure for type two diabetes. I wonder how much they had back then. Not a well, whole lot. Not to the rate we have it today. Yeah. So if you go to this website, yourwellnesstribe.com, I got this little um, clipping. Actually, Dr. Josh got this little clipping from their website on their Facebook. You won't yeah. find it on their website. But they talk about their tribe, and that's the reason I brought it up, because they it's called yourwellnesstribe.com, and they talk about how they're trying to create this tribe of good eaters, you know, that they can cure things with food even though we're not allowed to say the word cure. So, shh, you didn't hear me say that. All right. I didn't say that. So here's our motto. First, do no harm. Do no harm. Yeah. Food cannot harm you. Yes. <laughs> Except for the bad food. Okay. And this podcast is brought to you by our ageless thyroid. Yes, the thyroid is the master controlling gland. Your thyroid is the brain of your endocrine system, and it regulates your hormones, your energy levels, metabolism, and many other of the body's important functions. You can only find Ageless Thyroid on our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com, because Amazon yanked it. Yep, yep. Yeah, I had a big, huge argument for an hour and a half with Amazon about this today. I'm so upset they took our product off, but you can't get it anywhere but on our website. So, and actually, we're running low on we're it. We're about out. Yeah, so we've put another order in, but it won't be here for a little while. For a so. couple more weeks yet. Yeah, it's been really popular. It's sad. It was selling so well on 
Amazon and I, you know, they're going to destroy the order that we sent there. We sent them 64 Ugh. bottles and they're going to destroy you know, it. I, I, you it, know, where is it? It's in Cincinnati? It's in, no, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga. I, I'm almost ready to jump in the car tonight and drive over there and pick the, the stinking thing up well, and bring it back home. We'd drive for a couple of days, actually. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if we could go together. And we could just walk out on the dock because they say it's lost. Yeah, we could find it. We know what our box looks like. <laughs> it says, ageless thyroid. <laughs> yeah. And they they, they just won't take the time. They're such a big company. They're like, let's just let's just tell them we lost it. And they were going to give us like 10 cents on the dollar yep. for our product. Yep. And I kept telling them, no, I won't accept anything less than what it would have sold, sold for. But more importantly, I don't want the money. I want the product back. This is, this is precious to us. It's our blood, sweat, and tears. It's 25 years of clinical practice putting this together. This is what got rid of my breast lumps. Yes. This is what I put together for all of you women out there that don't want to take what I took for 10 years or so, I don't know, to get rid of my breast lumps. And it's our first podcast, Mary's Melting Breast Lumps. And this is the product I produce. It's my baby. And it just makes me sick that they're going to destroy 64 bottles of this, that great big company. We're just a little teeny thing. All but right. It's brought to you by this, so please go get it for your family, get it for your wives, get it for your mothers and your ch your daughters, even your men, of course. This helps bring... This helps loop the HPA access back together. And look at all those whole food glandulars we have in it. Whole food thyroid, for which we got yanked for. <laughs> Desiccated hypothalamus, adrenal, pituitary, anterior pituitary, which specifically helps women in their periods. And then, of course, iodine, selenium, tyrosine, zinc. And then four of the best herbs in the world for your endocrine system. It's an incredible product. And if I sound excited, it's only because I am. Well, the feedback we get from patients. Oh, yeah. They say... I mean, we even got teenagers whose acne is disappearing because oh, they use Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'd yep. forgotten about that. But all you, all you girls going through puberty, get on Asia thyroid. That's the only product they'll need for, you know, a few years. All right. Okay. This webinar podcast is not intended to be a diversion away from the current system of disease management. It is our intention to offer a rational and very effective approach to aiding your body in its ability to rebuild and heal. Please be advised that any suggested nutritional advice or dietary advice is not intended as any primary treatment or therapy for any disease or particular bodily symptom. Nutritional counseling, supplements slash vitamin recommendations, nutritional advice, and the adjunctive schedule of nutrition is provided solely to upgrade the quality of food in the patient's diet in order to supply good nutrition, supporting the physiological and biomechanical processes of the human body. So, in, we're going to tell you a story. Yeah, this is a really cool story. In 1943, a Greek war veteran from Icaria, Greece, named Stamatis Moriaitis, came to the United States for treatment of a combat mangled arm, and he survived a gunshot wound. He escaped to Turkey, eventually talked his way onto the Queen Elizabeth that was then, then serving as a troop ship to cross the Atlantic. And, of course, we're talking about Stamitis Moritis, who That's came from the name. island. Stamitis Moritis. Yes. See that little picture of him right came there? Came from the island of Icaria. And here it is. 
which is an island of about 99 square miles and home to almost 10,000 Greek nationals. It lies about 30 miles off the western coast of Turkey, and its jagged ridge of scrub-covered mountains rise steeply up out of the Aegean Sea. And before the Christian era, this island was home to thick oak forests and productive vineyards, and its reputation as a health destination goes back 25 centuries. Centuries. When the Greeks traveled to the island to soak in the hot springs near Therma. And then in the 17th century, Joseph Georgianus, the bishop of Icaria, described its residents as proud people who slept on the ground. <laughs> and the most commendable thing on this island, he said, is the air and the water, both so healthful that people are very well long-lived it being an ordinary thing to see persons in it of a hundred years of age. And Icaria got its name from the Greek myth about Icarus, who, as legend has it, plunged into the sea close to the island when he flew too close to the sun. You know, talk about leaving your tribe. <laughs> and his wax and feather wings melted. There he is. Do you, do you guys all know that story? Oh, yeah. Do you want to tell it real quick? Well, Daedalus, the father, the father of Icarus, mm -hmm. um, was showing him, they, they made these wings, the idea they made these wings so that they could teach man how to fly. And uh, Icarus, believing that, you know, Apollo was the sun and Apollo would come across the sky with his chariot of fire and he was going to go up there and fly so high that he would be above everything else. And his ambition got the best of him. And he Not melted. that ambition isn't necessarily a good thing. <laughs> it just, and he plunged to his death because the hot sun melted the wax for the wings. Yeah. There's more to the story in that, but that's... Okay. Kind of well, this is where this guy's from, from that island where the myths all, all came from Greek. Yeah. Greece. So after the war, Stamaris Morales... Stamitis Moriitis. <laughs> <laughs> well, he settled in Port Jefferson, New York, an enclave of countrymen from his, from his native island, Icaria. So they all, a bunch of them settled there. But he quickly landed a job doing um, manual labor, labor and other things. But later on, he moved to Boyantown Beach, Florida. And along the way... <laughs> Boynton. Boynton Beach. It looks like Boyantown. Okay, but See, it's... See, it's got a Y in it. it, it yeah, but doesn't have a doesn't have a W. <laughs> okay, well, he moved to Florida, and along the way, he married a Greek American woman, whose name I can't pronounce, and had three children, and bought a three bedroom house and a 1957 Chevrolet. So he changed tribes. 1951. What did I say? 1957. I did. Anybody who appreciates old cars like this that I do know that's not a 1957. Okay, that's a 1951 Chevrolet. There you go. Yeah, it's beautiful. And he just he just impacted himself. I mean, he just became an American and this was his new tribe and it was just life was wonderful. And he established a painting and decorating firm operating in... New, New York, York, which is now run by his son. Yep. So that was a pretty toxic field, you know, painting and I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not, not any safer today because the solvents that are involved with the painting industry, either the production of it or the, or the application of it on, your, on the walls and whatever, the vapors, the petroleum-based yeah. vapors are very injurious to lung tissue. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a problem for him. Because yeah, because one day in 1976, Moritis felt short of breath 
and climbing stairs was a chore, so he had to quit working midday. And after x-rays, his doctor concluded that Maritis had lung cancer. And as he recalls, um, nine other doctors confirmed the diagnosis, and they gave him nine months to live, and he was in his mid-60s. Now, here you see these two little white ghostly objects here. The one on the bottom is the heart. Um, you notice the lung on the, on the opposite side is bigger because the lung on the right has three lobes. The lung on the side of the heart only has two lobes to make room for the lung. But that other round... The heart, you mean? The, for the heart, yes. But that round object further up does not belong there. That should be just as black as the rest of the picture. And that was the tumor in, the, in his lung. That is actually him. Yep. It's an older picture of him, but because he was in his mid-60s. But that's actually him. Yep. I just think that's so great. So Maritis considered staying in America and seeking aggressive cancer treatment at a local hospital. That way he could be close to his adult children. But he decided to return to Icaria, where he could be buried with his ancestors in a, in a cemetery shaded by oak trees that overlooked the Aegean Sea. He figured a funeral in the United States would cost thousands. A traditional Icarian one, only $200. So that would leave more of his retirement savings for his wife. Now you say her name. El Paniki. El Paniki, of course. Yeah. El Paniki. I mean, half the girls in our neighborhood are named El Paniki. Yeah. <laughs> so there's the beautiful island of Icaria that he um, went back to. He went back to his original tribe. Yes. So Maritis and El Paniki moved in with his elderly parents in a tiny whitewashed house on two acres of, of stepped vineyards near... It's steeped vineyard, isn't it? No, stepped. Where they create, oh, where they, they do the actual... Steps. Okay. Yeah. Stepped vineyards near Evdalos on the north side of Icaria. And at first, he, you know, he, he gets there and he's got this death sentence... And so he spends his days in bed and his mother and his <laughs> as wife. As you are, do when you're dying. <laughs> yes, as his mother and wife tend to him. But, but he reconnected with his faith. And so on Sunday mornings, he would hobble up the hill to this tiny little Greek Orthodox chapel where his grandfather had once served as a priest. Isn't that cool? There's the little chapel. Yes. Yeah. So even as sick as he was, he went up there and reconnected with his faith. And then when his childhood friends discovered that he had left his tribe and moved back to his tribe, they started showing up every afternoon and they'd talk for hours, an activity that invariably involved a bottle or two of locally produced hmm. wine. He said, I might as well die happy. Yes, I, I like that. <laughs> you know, I'm going to die. What's wine going to do at this point in my life? Yeah. Well, he never went through chemotherapy or took drugs. Or, or sought therapy of any sort on the island of Icaria. All he did was he left his Florida tribe that consisted of a mountain of stress, you know, causing this wasting away of body and soul, which he knew was going to result from all the chemotherapy and the radiation and the surgery and the hospital costs and the unbearable pressures on his wife, El Paniki, and the, the suffering not only of himself, but his family as well, watching him slowly suffocate from lung cancer. So he accepted the inevitable death sentence that his medical tribe gave him that they said would arrive in a few short months, but he wanted to die and be buried in his homeland of Greece. So being told death was waiting for him in a few short months down the road, he left his friends and family behind and went home to his Icarian tribe. 
And as we said before, he wanted to be buried with his ancestor, his original tribe, in a cemetery shaded by oak trees that overlooked the Aegean Sea. But something wonderful happened on the way to his funeral. In the ensuing months, something strange happened. He said he started to feel stronger. And one day, feeling really ambitious, he planted some vegetables in the garden. So he wasn't lying in his bed anymore, yeah, no, waiting he, for his... He didn't expect to, to harvest them <laughs> because he was going to die. But he enjoyed being out in the sunshine and breathing the ocean air. Oh, catch those words. Out in the sunshine, sunbathing. Yes, and his wife, Elpaniki, could enjoy the fresh vegetables after he was gone. Yeah. I mean, just think of that. I'm going to plant these things now. I'll be dead before they harvest, but my wife can eat them. Yeah, so, so six, six months came and went, and Moritis still didn't die. Instead, he reaped his garden. <clears throat> Look at that. That's an Icarian longevity potato salad with herbs and marigold leaves. I actually got that. That's true. That's, that's what that is. You can get that recipe. <laughs> off the internet. So he felt even more emboldened. He cleaned up the family vineyard as well. So he started making sure that he could plant the vineyard. So easing himself into the island routine, he woke up when he felt like it. And he worked in the vineyards until mid-afternoon. And he made himself lunch. And then he would take a long nap. And then in the evening, he would walk to the local tavern where he played dominoes <laughs> past midnight. Yeah, he probably drank a little bit, too, there. In other words, he lived life. He lived life without stress, with, with natural foods, clean water, clean air. I mean, you're going to die anyway. Why not? <laughs> Why not drink some wine and play dominoes past midnight with your friends? Yeah. And that's the other part. He's with his friends, his tribe, his family. So the, as the years passed, his health, uh, uh, amazingly, continued to <laughs> the improve. The years passed, not, not months. The and years he, passed. Yes, and he added a couple of rooms to his parents' home so his children could come and visit. And he built up the vineyard until it produced 400 <laughs> gallons of wine a year. Without preservatives. No. And so you. now today, three and a half decades later... He is 97 years old. 97. According to an official document that he disputes. He says he's 102. Yes. But he is cancer yes. free. So the inhabitants of the. Uh, this is him. Of a small Greek island live on average 10 years longer than the rest of Western Europe. So uh, what's the secret to long life on Icaria? I mean, it could be the fresh air, it could be the friendly, easygoing, open-door lifestyle, it could be the fresh vegetables, it could be the fish, it could be the goats, it could be the milk. It could be the mountainous terrain. Everywhere on Icaria is up or down, so getting around keeps you fit. Yeah, I mean, it could even be the natural radiation that's in the granitic rock. Uh, but Stomitis Moritis thinks he knows what it is. Well, well, stop right there. The natural radiation? Yeah. That's healthy for you? Yeah, well, now there is a lot of argument in that in that respect. You're getting radiation from the sun. Yeah, you're we You're getting know that. radiation from the center of the galaxy Ooh. and you're getting radiation coming out of the earth all the time. In fact, if I might add this about my x-rays at work that I do, the x-ray exposure that people get uh because I use very shielded x-rays. Um for initial work on a patient is equal to about 60 days of background radiation in the Utah mountain area. 
In other words, every 60 days, you'll be exposed to the same amount of radiation radiation you get in sitting for one set of x-rays. Okay, but they're saying this is good for you. Well, there's some argument that the because we've been around it for thousands and thousands of generations. So we've evolved. So we have kind of evolved to a certain sense with background radiation in our bodies all the time. Well, we ate a lot of iodine that's that's in the fish, and that's what he's eating too. Yes, that's true. So that is a natural balancing. It, that, that, that may very well be the fact. But there are studies that show that because we have been around background radiation for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, that there may be some beneficial effect to low-level radiation. Hmm. Well, our ageless thyroid has iodine in it also, which is the antidote to severe radiation. Well, Stomitis moritis thinks he knows the secret of long life. Ah, so, so it wasn't the mountainous terrain or the natural radiation or the easygoing open door lifestyle. It was. He said, it's the wine. <laughs> and he's saying this to a reporter over a mid-morning glass of wine at the kitchen table. He said this, it's pure, nothing's added. The wine they make commercially has preservatives. That's no good. But this wine we make ourselves is pure. Now, we're not giving this presentation today as a to push wine. To push wine. <laughs> it's how, the, how he saved his life by leaving one tribe and moving to another. Yeah, he celebrated his 19th, 98th birthday on New Year's Day. He says he's older. Oh, we, oh, we talked about that. <laughs> but his, the documents put his date of birth as January 1st, 1915. So... Um, but where he is, regardless of whether he's 97, 98, or 102, he, he's there with his whitewashed house, his olive trees, his fruit trees, his vines, and he makes, according to the size of his vineyard, about 700 liters of wine a year. And this New York Times um, reporter that was talking with him, he, he asked him, he said, do you drink it all yourself? And he said, no. He's, he's shocked at the suggestion. <laughs> I drink it with my friends. Yeah, the wine and the... Um, <laughs> 700 liters yeah. he drinks with his friends. <laughs> <clears throat> that would be two liters a day. You think his wine, if friends have their wine? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But he spends his day with his friends and his family, and it... Um, it well, it's made Stomitis a poster boy for the healing effects of Icaria. Yeah, not just wine. Yeah. So 45 years ago, living in the U.S., he was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer and given nine months to live. And, and at the time, he says this, he says, at the time, it was very expensive to have a funeral there. So I said to my wife, I'm going home to Icaria to be buried with my parents. And so at, while he's telling his story, you know, there's a twinkle in his eye. He's in full flow. It's a story he's, he's dined out on many times. <laughs> and he clearly doesn't tire of telling his story. He said, I found my friends in the village where I was born. And we started drinking. And I thought, at least I'll die happy. Every day we got together, we drank wine and I waited. Time passed by and I felt stronger. Nine months came, I felt good. Eleven months came, I felt better. And now, 45 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> I carry his reputation as a health destination dates back 25 centuries. And residents of the island I carry in Greece live profoundly long and healthful lives. So the story uh, source here that we've given to you with the New York Times, you can go ahead and read the whole story yourself. 
Um, it continues like this. I'm quoting from the story. I called Stomitis Moritis, and he picked up the phone in the same whitewashed house that he moved into 35 years ago. It was late afternoon in Icaria. He had worked in his vineyard that morning and just awakened from a nap. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> we chatted for a few minutes, but then he warned me that some of his neighbors were coming over for a drink in a few <laughs> minutes and he'd have to go. But I had one last question for him. How does he think he recovered from lung cancer? You want to quote that? It just went away, yeah. he said. I actually went back to America about 25 years after moving here to see if the doctors could explain it to me. I had heard the New York Times guy said, I had heard this part of the story before. It had become a piece of fo folklore in Icaria, proof of its exceptional way of life. Still, I asked him, what happened? My doctors were all dead. <laughs> so, he went back to America to find out how he survived cancer, but all his cancer doctors were dead. <laughs> so that's the story. <laughs> of Stomitis Moritis. Where leaving his tribe saved his life. Had he returned or remained under the control of his tribe in Florida, he probably wouldn't have lived another year. And, and look, look, look how happy he is at 98. Yeah, although he says he's 102. He's 102. 98, 102, four <laughs> years, who's going to quibble? It's such a beautiful story. So at the end of the day, though, it's natural to wonder whether the good health of the Icarians may have as much to do with what they're not eating. Yeah. Are they doing something positive or is it the absence of something native? In the United States, you can't go to even a movie or walk through the airport or buy cough medicine without being routed through a gauntlet of candy bars or snacks and sugar-sweetened beverages. <laughs> Look at that. The processed food industry spends more than $4 billion a year in advertising alone, tempting us to eat yes. this horrible stuff. So you have to think, was it the beautiful clean air, the friends, the good food, the fish, the, the pig? The it everybody was the wine, <laughs> according to Stomitis. According to him. But um, another part of the story, which we just didn't tell was that every, most every, every single family has a garden. Yes. Every family does, and they yep. eat from the garden, but they all have pigs. In fact, they, this New York um, Times author went over there and met with a whole bunch of centenarians, yeah. and they said they named their pigs. I guess they didn't mind eating their named pigs, but, but they, they appreciated them. It's like the cows that are so precious in India, be, and they're not allowed to kill them because they give that life-giving milk. Milk, yeah. So, because you don't kill the goose that lays the golden egg. Yeah, exactly. And so this pork that they ate, which of, in America, it is like, you eat pork? You eat bacon? How dare you? That's the most filthy meat in the world. And it's not true. Pork has the closest DNA to our DNA. That's why we use pork in um, surgeries and heart um, valves. Yeah, porcine heart valves, yeah. Porcine heart valves. And it's in our... Um, Long life energy enzymes, the the desiccated um, pancreas. So it's long life energy enzymes is just a wonderful product to take um, if you don't like eating pancreas. You know, cooking up, frying up a little pancreas yeah. in your fry pan. So um, we think that's it, it is also 
what they're not eating in Icaria. Yes. So they have their garden, they have their fish every, every all day. All the wonderful good things that nature provides. Their pork, yeah. But they also don't have they all don't the wonderful have all... good things that the candy and the food industries of America They don't provide. have big hunks, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, big hunks. They don't have almond joy. I well, used that's to such eat that stuff bar. all the time. Mm. Yeah. All the time. You also I, had lumps. I had breast lumps <clears> like crazy. I remember, I remember when I was dating you, and you gave me, I don't know, $100 or something to drive up to Salt Lake. And I remember stopping at a convenience store. And I, I'm, a, I'm so embarrassed to tell this, but I didn't know any better. I was raised by a medical family and I bought so much candy. I'm not saying they told me to buy candy because they, they didn't. But I bought so much. I mean, Big Hunks and Almond Joys and Charleston Chews were my favorite. And what are these crunchy little things? And I don't think I've bought these in over two decades wow. now to speak of. You know, maybe a little bit here and there. Right. So, and then I had all the breast lumps. And that's all in our first podcast you can go listen to. So, our next slide is a hero that left his tribe and saved many, many lives by doing so. This is Dr. Gonzalez on the right, who we have based our long life energy enzymes on because of his medical practice where he saved so many lives using the um, pancreatic enzyme. Yes. And, and he is, I'm, I'm taking a slice out of this hour long recording, which I'll have in my links, which is a wonderful recording. I just found it, by the way. It was recorded back in 2013. He died in 2015. And he's talking about how people say, oh, you make so much money um, doing alternative medicine. And just take a listen to this hero, this hero that... This runs about five minutes. So listen closely to what Dr. Gonzalez has to say. Yeah. But he was getting patients well with nutrition. And my goal as a researcher and physician was to do the best for my patients and follow the scientific truth. So I turned the jobs down and the harassment started. You know, people, I was a renegade. And I was, you know, I, I was one of them. So that made it even worse. You know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't an alternative practitioner. I wasn't a health food store owner. I was trained like one of them. You know, Ivy League educated, all that baloney. So there was a backlash, no question about it. That's what's uh, most amazing as a... As a filmmaker, when I got to get you into my my I Cure Cancer Part Two film, is you got MD behind your name. You're trained in the oncology, in the bone marrow trend. You know, you know what you could be using, and you chose the nutritional approach. That's because you're a man of honor and integrity, and, and you have a heart and soul. Unlike many of them out there, I guess, or just pure ignorance. Um, I guess. Do you agree? It all started back in the early 1900s when um, Rockefeller, who owned the pharmacies. And Carnegie, they basically invested into the medical schools and basically tra- changed the way our doctors learn, and that's why it's all pharmaceutical-based today. Is that what our situation is? I think, that, I think that's absolutely correct. And that's not conspiracy theorizing. That's the way it happened. You know, right up until 1900, there were many very good, top-quality academic homeopathic medical schools in the U.S. where students would go and learn anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, but also nutrition and homeopathy. And they would go out and practice legitimately. But with the Flexner Report and the Rockefeller Foundation uh, money, increasingly, the, you know, the Rockefellers made their money standard oil. A lot of pharmaceuticals are made by natural chemicals. And increasingly, the tides shifted against any kind of natural approach, nutritional approach, homeopathic approach, to strictly 
patentable um, pharmaceuticals derived from chemicals. So there was a complete switch. All the homeopathic medical schools were actually forced to close, and they don't even exist. You know, they haven't existed for 15 or for 80 years. So there was a complete change, yes. And the, and the Flexner Report really changed the direction of medical education from this kind of, you know, we'll accept homeopathy, we'll accept nutrition, we'll also treat the standard conventional medicine. There was a lot of acceptance for different approaches. That, that was wiped out until it became just a singular approach, which is a pharmaceutical-based, drug, patentable, um, synthetic chemical approach with the elimination of all nutrition. You know, when I was in medical school, other than, you know, I was doing my Kelly research, living in two different worlds, but it did my formal medical education, there might have been two hours of nutrition, and it was a joke. It was considered a joke by the students. So, yeah, there's a complete shift toward pharma, pharmacology, pharmaceutical, synthetic chemicals. And then the pharmaceutical industry, I don't know that they own medical schools, but certainly they finance professorships. A lot of the research in the U.S. is financed by pharmaceutical companies, and even the government academic research institutions like the NIH and NCIX, they're basically training grounds for the Harvard Business School for the pharmaceutical industry. You spend five years at the NIH, you end up with a pharmaceutical company making a million dollars a year as a you know, vice president. So a lot of the people who are in government now end up in the pharmaceutical industry making very lucrative uh, salaries. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think one of the only times I've ever seen you smile was when I asked you during our interview, I said, do you think you would have made more money if you would have went on into the regular <laughs> You get me laughing again. I, I always laugh when the, the critics, you know, whoever these irrational critics, you know, the only reason, they can't accept that a, a smart, well-trained, Ivy League educated physician trained under Robert Good would be doing this because it's a sense of honor and integrity and because it works. Now, it has to be some insidious motivation, either I'm perverse or I'm some kind of, you know, neo-Nazi physician who wants to torment people, or for the money. That's the most logical. Well, they doing it for the money. Are you kidding me? Bone marrow transplants, they cost $500,000 a shot. And, you know, it's, it's easy money. Um, insurance pays for it, so it's, quote, free. Um, and you want to be a multimillionaire, you go into bone marrow transplantation. Believe me, I was there. I saw the money that those things bring in. You know, every hospital in the country now is a bone marrow transplant unit because they're money makers and it's all covered and Medicare covers it and insurance companies cover it. Oncologists are multimillionaires because what people don't realize is that oncologists make most of their money not from the office visits but from the sale of chemo to their patients. You know, every oncologist has a, has a room where they do chemo and have 15, 20 people getting chemo. What patients don't realize is the markup on those drugs is extraordinary. All the profit goes to the oncologists. Even the Wall Street Journal has done articles about that. And the oncology lobby is so strong, they've actually got regulations in place where they don't have to do informed consent and tell the patients that they're making money off the sale of chemo in their office. They're allowed to do that without having to tell the patients. So patients don't realize that there's actually a vested interest in oncologists to use chemo even when there's no evidence that it works. So if I wanted to make money, I'd be a conventional oncologist. First of all, it would be an easier life. I wouldn't be attacked. People would love me. I would be part of the team, part of the club. I would be invited to all the fancy meetings. Drug companies would be flying me around the country. Um, so if you want to make money, that's what you do. Do an alternative medicine. You don't make a lot of money. It's not covered by insurance, first of all. So you have to really think of that. Every time you take on a patient, you have to realize that they're going to pay out of their own pocket. It's not the insurance company where it's, quote, free, although it isn't free, of course. One reason healthcare costs are so expensive, because the oncology budget is astronomical. I read just recently, I know, Oncology brings in makes about $112 billion a year. I'm not sure if that's accurate. I've read different figures, but it's over $100 billion a year, just in the U.S. It's a very expensive proposition, conventional oncology, and that's where the money is. So this, this idea that alternative practitioners like me do it for the money, it, 
yeah, it does make me happy. Usually, I don't smile on principle, but when you bring that up, I always kind of chuckle. <laughs> it's so it's so irrational. Wanted to make money, I'd be doing what they're doing. Yeah, good point. Oh my goodness! If he wanted to make money, he would have stayed in that tribe. If he wanted to make money, he would do what they're doing. That's making all the money. Yeah, I just thought that was such a little gem. From I mean the cost. What would what do you say? A hundred billion, a hundred billion a year they make off of chemotherapy. Yeah. Do you think that's going to go away anytime soon? Uh, no. No. And saddest thing in the world is he died, and we don't know. He may have died because he left his tribe, because we don't know why he died. We don't know if he was killed. We don't know what happened. He died of apparently no cause whatsoever he just dropped dead walking down his hallway there was no heart attack there was no poison in him there was no aneurysm they absolutely on the autopsy could not find a cause of death and he just died and that is the saddest thing ever so we're trying to carry on his legacy dr isaacs out in new york city is also carrying on his legacy who i met with that's his former associate yeah a wonderful doctor and but she's taken on the work he was doing now yeah, in she, Manhattan. She has, but he is just... And so you can go to this video. I have it in the links. I'm sorry it was such a poor recording. Um, it actually, I, probably because I downgraded it, so it wouldn't take up so much memory, but it's a really pretty good recording on YouTube. And go to I Cure Cancer. Um, he seems like a wonderful guy. I don't know who he is, but um, Dr. Gonzalez, he interviews Dr. Gonzalez, and it's just a great interview. But if you can't make it to Icaria, Greece, and you've been diagnosed with cancer, listen to Podcast 95. Um, this is Joseph Antel, who we interviewed with his lymphoma, and it's an amazing podcast. Um, and I put our on our website, our cancer protocol is on there. There's um, also a handout with his protocol, but this is the exact same protocol he used. Yeah, the protocol is designed to support your body nutritionally while you are doing whatever... Anything your oncologist whatever, <clears throat> whatever suggests your oncologist and you're suggests comfortable you do, with because it's right. your choice. The, the, the support is to support the immune system, the kidneys, the liver. And the pancreas. <clears throat> Especially the pancreas. Specifically, yeah. And your digestion. So, um, but he has, he put together a protocol which he followed for two years and there's the before and after. Um, PET scans. PET scans of his cancer yep. going. And he did not do any chemotherapy. No. So, and actually, chemotherapy actually works on lymphoma fairly well. So that's even more. There's about three or four cancers that chemo actually works on. And they're the soft cancers, the the blood cancers, Mm -hmm. the lymph cancers. But he didn't use it. So that's on our website. If you go to our website, just search cancer or cancer support or something like that. We also have on our website an anti-aging protocol for those of you that don't have cancer. (laughs) And don't make it to Icaria on a regular basis. Yes, see, there's Icaria up in the right-hand side, and it's just a beautiful island. And if you don't uh, drink copious amounts of wine, and one of the uh, actual healing aspects of wine is is resveratrol, Yeah. But it's also in Herbivital. It's the third ingredient or the third product down there, Herbivital. It's an herb, uh, it's a, it's a herb complex put together by Mediherb. For aging people. For aging people. That's what it, yep. it will help you age 
better. And, Gracefully, slowly. <laughs> and better. Of course, the <clears throat> ageless thyroid supports the endocrine system, which is critical for aging. And then the long life energy enzymes that Dr. Gonzalez talks about and uses in his clinic and Herbivital, which has the resveratrol in it. And then Echinacea Premium. I call it my... Um, fountain of youth. Fountain of youth pill. I notice when I slack off on that, my little spider veins start coming up on my legs. I noticed it just the other day because uh. we've been on vacation and yeah. doing all these, not really vacation, NUCA conferences <laughs> and doing all these things. And I slacked off a little bit and I jumped right back on it three a day, Echinacea Premium. They all went away. That's amazing. I know. And then uh, along with that is the Cyruta Plus, who's, which helps rebuild those veins. The General Health Pack just has a multivitamin, a tuna oil in it, and a trace minerals. Ginkgo Forte for your brain. And go to cola also for your brain. But go to cola is wonderful. Yeah, for it, tissue regeneration. Yes, it heals <clears throat> internal scars. Yes. I mean, that's amazing. And this is the plant the herb that elephants munch on. Yeah, the elephant they, grass. And they have amazing memories. <clears throat> so the, I know that's a long anti-aging protocol, but, you know, you took that. Just think of it as your food budget, and you'll live a long time, at least in our opinion. Yes, right? So whether your tribe is this kind <laughs> or your tribe is this kind, Bam. examine it. Go inside your heart. Choose your tribe. Ah. So for those of you who've stuck around to the end of these three podcasts on leaving and or finding your tribe, thank you. This has been an incredible information for Mary and I. It was supposed to be one podcast, but we couldn't. Yeah, we just love this. The more we got into it, the deeper we got into it, it ended up being three. We hope it helps all of you to live freer and happier lives. And a special thank you to Dr. Mario Martinez for his years of pioneering research on this very topic. So find your tribe and love them hard. That's great. I like that. Yeah. And don't forget to take our free symptom survey and receive a personalized supplement protocol. You give us your symptoms and we give you a protocol. And along with that, we will give you a 30-minute free consultation yeah, wish, based on your survey results. Yeah, I should have put that up there, but you get a free 30 minutes. That's an incredible thing. Um, so go to our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com, and take the free symptom survey. So the statements made in this webinar about specific products have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided or any information contained on or in any product label or packaging or this webinar is for informational purposes only, and it is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. And if you like what we're doing in these podcasts, there are several ways to support us. We would really appreciate the support. You can leave us a positive review on iTunes. You can ask us questions and give us feedback at the end of this podcast. And you can join our family by filling out a symptom survey. So leave a comment or question at the end of the podcast down at the bottom. And we will see you next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast. If you are curious about long life energy enzymes or ageless thyroid, you can purchase them without a membership from our website at ForbiddenDoctor.com or get our enzyme formula from Amazon.com by searching the full term long life energy enzymes. 
Don't forget to take our obligation-free symptom survey to get a free personalized supplement protocol recommended for you by Dr. Jack, Mary, or one of our qualified nutritionists. Take the survey, get a call from our nutritionist to create a protocol and a patient login, then use that login to see your own personal protocol along with any favorites you've saved from our symptom library. Remember, our website and our clinic are here for you always.